ESPN Audio and SC Featured presents a 16-episode podcast, Pin Kings. It's the story of two All-American high school wrestlers, teammates, and friends who ultimately ended up on the opposite sides of the war on drugs. Pin Kings is for mature audiences. Welcome to Episode 11, Nowhere to Hide. Drugs have no bias. It will destroy your family and the next family, and it doesn't matter to the drug who it destroys. This is David Tinsley, a former supervising DEA agent. I remember arresting a guy, a heroin addict, and I remember him saying, the way he saw it is the needle, when he put the needle into his arm, what he's actually doing is pushing heroin into his body. Okay, and then he's boosting it by sucking it back in and out. Okay, that's what they do. What was interesting, he said, but in reality, when I pull it out, I'm actually pulling my life out into that needle. And he said, what I pulled through that needle was my family, my children, and my profession. It actually, that needle took all of it. It's a simplistic analogy that I still remember, and it was probably 27 years ago. But I remember the guy lost everything at the end of the needle. Drugs are horrendous in every capacity. And I think Kevin, I didn't know so much about the past of his frequency with it, but I know he had a fire within to do all he could against it. Kevin and Alex were best friends. Champion wrestling buddies. The heydays of Miami. Alex DeCubis was clearly a kingpin. It's a, it's a tragic story. The less you know, the more you leave. I wanted to take out the biggest drug dealers. If they were catching him, he's going away for the rest of his life if they don't kill him when they try to capture him. Could you imagine if Kevin has to shoot Alex? He's a sworn federal agent for a drug enforcement agency. Evil goes to jail or evil ends up dead. Welcome to the SC Featured Podcast, Pin Kings. I'm John Fish, producer for ESPN. And I'm Brett Forrest, a senior writer at ESPN The Magazine. John, we have spent a lot of time on Alex's story in the last few episodes. Where is Kevin in all of this? Kevin ended up doing very well at West Point. He made it through, he graduated, and he became a lieutenant in the Army. Then we have that scene in the early 80s when Kevin runs into Alex at a bar in Miami. It's clear these two friends are headed on wildly different paths. True. But let's back up a minute because there's one important aspect of Kevin's life that we haven't touched on at all, his high school girlfriend. Bet Atkins, yes, his first high school girlfriend. And what does she do when Kevin gets to West Point? Poor Kevin, poor Kevin. He's going through that rough plebe year, and he uh, he gets the mail one day. And in the mail is a Dear John letter from Bet. She dumps him, only compounding his troubles. Well, what was pretty cool is that Kevin's new friends at West Point all sign the letter and then mail it back to her. I don't know if Bet really cared much because she, she already had another guy in her life by that point. And these two got married. They started a family. But Kevin can't stop thinking about her. And by the time Kevin gets out of West Point, Bet was conveniently available. And in a way that was very typical for Miami at the time. Here's Kevin. Her husband was actually in jail for uh, distributing cocaine. She had a little baby, Danny, who I since I'd adopted. We kindled our relationship and we got married about six months after I graduated from West Point. I adopted her son, Danny, who is my son today, (laughs) is a grown man. 
newly decorated Kevin, straight from West Point, gets back together with his high school sweetheart because her husband got arrested on cocaine charges. Only in Miami. That became the norm in Miami, that everybody was in drug, involved somehow, some way, or knew someone that was involved somehow, some way in the drug trade, <laughs> that it was not, nothing surprising. Everybody knew somebody that was involved with the drug trade. Was Betty herself involved? No. But she was, from what I can understand, using some illegal drugs. Of course, I had the stern conversation with her as we were progressing into our relationship again, that as a military officer, I, I couldn't have drugs, I would not have drugs, illegal drugs around me at all. And of course, I had a commitment from her that, that you know, that part of her life was over. I was assigned to the 24th Infantry Division, which was in Fort Stewart, Georgia. At, at that period of time, the Iran crisis, had, you know, the hostage crisis had just ended. The United States Army was really in a mode of, of wanting to develop something to rapidly deploy. Now, you know, we can, we can assault in a second, but back then we couldn't. So they took the, 20, the 82nd Airborne, the 101st uh, Airborne Division, and the uh, 24th Infantry Division and made what they called a rapid deployment force out of it. So we were deployed a lot um, on little short missions, training, getting ready to deploy. I was in the uh, 52nd Air Defense Artillery Battalion, which was a small, short-range Vulcan gun system but red-eye missile systems to take out helicopters incoming on infantry troops. And I was a platoon leader there, an executive officer, and a, and a battery commander. Kevin had better at Fort Stewart for three years. While they're there, Kevin deploys with his platoon. Ironically, Georgia, by the way. Right. <laughs> Kevin Kevin deploys many times to the Middle East. And he's really getting into this role as a platoon commander. I loved leading troops. I loved uh, the camaraderie. I, I like being in charge. I was a good lieutenant. I think my last year as a platoon leader, during the Army evaluation test, my platoon was ranked number one platoon in the Army. In, a, in our specialty. So I was real happy about that, felt accomplished. Had some great life experiences. Grew up real fast, you know, have to handle deaths of soldiers and things like that. Kevin was built for this sort of thing. Think back to the way he trained for wrestling in high school, his focus, his dedication and right. determination, the discipline he had within himself. Through these experiences in the Army, this shy, introverted kid was starting to come way out of his shell. Things were working out for, for Kevin, and then, at home, something begins to upset the balance. My wife was had been disabled at work. She had been working for Southern Bell and been sprayed by a pesticide by accident, and she was having some medical issues, which she also compounded by turning back to using some illegal drugs. But her medical conditions had progressed to the point where the Army basically came to me and said, I couldn't keep being deployed because she was in and out of you know care, and they were going to let me, allow me to go to a non-combat arm job as an officer. And I knew then that my days, I didn't want to be in the military any longer because if I couldn't be a combat arms officer and lead troops, I didn't see the need in being in the Army. Kevin didn't see the need to be in the Army anymore, so he left it. He took a job with his father-in-law operating a series of tire stores in the Miami area, in Homestead, Florida. This was really his beginning of being a businessman. Things were going really well. Then again, problems on the home front. My wife at the time, Betty, had gotten very much back involved with, with cocaine and, and marijuana. And, you know, as much as I tried to, to facilitate it, or, and I guess that's what you probably say, enable it, 
to still raise our child, to run our business. You know, her family helped a lot too. I mean, they understood there was a problem here. Here's Mike Pedersen, Kevin's brother. I know she was eventually affected by drugs, developed a drug habit. Her personality changed because of that. He's so loyal. I think he tried to fix it. I think he tried his hardest, as hard as anybody could. If you had one high school girlfriend and you saw her kind of deteriorate and, and not become the person that, that you knew in high school, that you knew her potential was, and she something happened and, and you know it was external, it was a drug habit, uh, how was it facilitated? I don't know the details on that, but I do know that Kevin, that was his first love, his only love in high school, his only girlfriend. How do you react to that? So Kevin has reached another fork in the road in his life. He was held off a state championship team in 10th grade, but then he busted his butt to become a state champion himself. He nearly flunked out of West Point, but he worked his way through that and he succeeded in the end. He's shown a lot of moxie over the years, and now he's faced with maybe his toughest test yet. And the solution to this one isn't so clear. It just got to the point where I just couldn't take it anymore. After several instances and and the drugs being around, I uh, made the hardest decision of my life and I decided to file for divorce. That was the changing moment of my life. Divorce is never easy. It's a changing moment in his life because he loses his family. He loses his job. Remember, he worked for his father-in-law, so his job wasn't going to last. He loses his home. It's 1989, and Kevin Pedersen, at 31 years old, feels like his life has kind of fallen apart. How low did you get? As low as you can get. To fail at a marriage is a devastating thing because I figured that's supposed to be one of the most important things in life. And regardless of the fault, regardless of the reason, I felt like a failure. For the first time in my life, I felt like a failure. Kevin took things really hard. He had always taken things hard, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just that Kevin was always a very serious person. He was the kind of guy who believed in things. He believed in institutions in society. He believed in the chain of command. He believed in, in, in building your life toward, toward stability. And when his life fell apart, mind you, through no fault of his own, it was a real crisis moment for Kevin. He didn't know how to deal with, with it and, and, and why it had happened, despite all of his honest efforts. So he rented a small apartment in Homestead, Florida, and he fell into a depression. One night, I was on my knees, to the point where I was at the, to me, at wit's end. I mean, how could I have accomplished all these things in life and come to this? A little tiny apartment, one bedroom, and I don't even have my son with me. I took out a Colt Commander 9mm that I had acquired in the Army, and I was going to blow my head off. Here's Kevin's brother, Mike. I knew he was struggling. I knew he was like, Mike, life's not worth living. I knew later on that, you know, he was contemplating, you know, taking a drastic step there and just kind of stepping away from life and going on. He was that bad. Kevin was successful, state champion, West Point grad, Army officer, successful businessman at that time with his father-in-law's business. I know that he had a moment where he was like, maybe it's easier just to step out of life. I know that he was kind of near making a bad choice. Kevin is on his knees in his apartment with a gun to his head. Can you walk me through it incrementally? It's, it's night. It's evening, yeah? Yes. Okay. Are you drinking? No. You're sober? Sober. Absolutely sober. What leads you to, to find the gun and pull it out? Well, I had a cabinet full of guns. I've always had guns. Guns have always been my friend. I remember cry, I was crying. 
I didn't know what I was going to do the next day. I knew that, that I was going to probably be unemployed the next day. I just couldn't, again, stand the thought of this failure that had occurred in my life. And I didn't think I had an answer. I didn't know what to do. I was not in control. What did you do next? I took the gun, I chambered around, and I put it to my head. And I had to make a decision whether I was going to pull that trigger or not. What are you thinking in that moment? This is the easy way out. All this will go away. And why didn't you? Something overcame me. And I believe the presence of God said there's a better way. And for some reason, that gun ended up on the far side of the room. When you think about that now, do you really think that you could have done it? Yes, absolutely. Does the memory of that moment bring back any emotion for you? I'm totally calm about it. It's probably the best moment of my life. Probably the most important moment of my life. At that point, Kevin turns to Christianity. He starts going to church. He starts reading the Bible. He becomes integrated into a community of believers. And it gives him his strength. He describes it as total peace, and it leads him to his next big decision in his life. The total peace that came over for me was to go into law enforcement. I just knew that I wanted to serve, I wanted to give back, and I wanted to, to fight the war on drugs, and this was a way to do it. It's interesting how a guy that would be that focused with his career and strict morals going to West Point, and now he's, his, the person he's chosen to spend his life with is now struggling. This is Kevin's wrestling teammate and friend, Dom Gorey. Boy, there's, a, there's some conflict there, and you can easily understand how with that going on, maybe you even get stricter. You even get a better appreciation for the, the vices that can mess your life up. With that kind of conflict going on, it's very easy to see why Kevin would choose to take the path he took. Here's Kevin's brother, Mike. Very easy for Kevin to associate and blame his wife's drug issues at a time and his life unraveling on the drug trade in Miami. You can easily make that association. He, he just wanted to go into a line of work where he knew he could be successful and make an impact. Very nice opportunity that has happened to be a profession that definitely made an impact on his ex-wife. What a surprising development for Kevin, because we all search for purpose in life, but he appeared to be consumed by the idea. You know, what am I meant for? And he finds the answer to this question out of a personal tragedy, the tragedy of drugs. What impact did drugs have on your personal life? They destroyed my marriage. They destroyed my home life. Your desire to fight the war on drugs, did that have anything to do with your own personal encounter with it? I'm sure it did. There's no doubt in my mind it did. I mean, I'm a realist. I mean, I, I hated what I saw the results of drugs were in people. It, it affected me. It affected my son. It affected my wife. It affected my family. It affected my friends. I seen what my friends have become. What did drugs do to the people around you? We ruined them, destroyed them, took control of them. Because a lot of what we see are the fast boats, the pretty girls, the nightclubs, the clothes, the cash. What's the rest of the story? It's all fun and games till somebody gets shot, right? It's all part of the fluff, but inside, 
inside, they've got to be dead, especially those that are addicted to drugs. I mean, they're a slave to the drug. There's no doubt in my mind, in the forefront of my mind, I wanted to fight that. Thank you for listening to the SC Featured Podcast, Pin Kings. You can follow Pin Kings on Twitter at ESPN Pin Kings. That's at ESPN Pin Kings. A preview of the next episode follows this message. Next on Pin Kings, episode 12, Hard Time. And I figured the best way to try and make a difference was in the Department of Justice. I would do a lot of video purchasing of crack cocaine, drive around with buy crack all day. In South Florida at that time, it was like drinking from a fire hose. You can basically take a lead from a telephone call and make a career case out of it. When I went down there, you could swing a dead cat on any corner in Miami and hit at least five drug traffickers. The first name we got really was probably Alex DeCubis. Don't miss an episode. You can listen and subscribe to the Pin Kings podcast in the ESPN app or download and listen on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to rate this podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts.